pass the mic. Pastor Caleb has been our student pastor for forever, since before Kayla and I even got here, and then transitioned to another role before that, but now he's transitioned to a more adult pastor role, our Connections pastor, which means he's going to be doing this far often. So can we do what we've always loved to do? Let's stand on our feet and give Pastor Caleb an adult Wednesday ovation as he brings the word with us tonight. You can keep going if you want. You can keep going. I dig it. I dig it. Have a seat. Have a seat. Hey, the first thing I want to say while I'm up here is when you're looking at me, don't expect Pastor Din. What I will say is I'm a lot better looking, and I'm, I'm a lot better talker, so you can tell him that if you want to. Just shoot him a text. Man, Caleb did so much better than you've ever done in the past 10 years. Hey, like I said, my name's Caleb Hussey. I have been on staff here for almost seven years. I've been coming for a lot longer. A lot of you look at me like, I remember when you were 16 and being dumb all the time. Don't tell anyone, please, because I don't need that on my resume <laughs> yet. Hey, can we pray? Can we pray? I love prayer. Let's just go to Jesus first. Lord, we thank you for so much for who you are, Jesus. I pray that we honor your name in everything that we do, Lord, and that we never forget the sacrifice that you made for us, Lord. And most importantly, Lord, I pray that these words tonight are not my words, that they're strictly from you, God. Lord, I pray that our hearts are open to the word from your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Hey, I'm super excited to be in here tonight. Usually I am dealing with teenagers for the past seven years, so a lot of times I'm preaching to phones, cell phones. And so it's nice to not see a bunch of cell phones at me, feel like they're videoing me or taking pictures, going to tell their dad on me or something like that. But I'm super excited to be talking through John 4 tonight. So we're continuing our series, The Simple Gospel. I love this series. I don't know if you do. I've been missing out on so much the past seven years. Like, y'all are so lucky. I didn't get this. I was speaking to kids. They should have been in here. I should have made it easy on myself. But we're continuing our series, The Simple Gospel, and we want to start in John 4 tonight. So let's read. John 4, 1. Jesus knew the Pharisees has heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. That's important. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Wow, Caleb, you're already stopping. You must have to talk a lot after three verses. When I was reading through John 4, there was a lot of things that popped out to me, a lot of things that were just in the text right there. And one of the things that popped out to me is that the disciples were baptizing people. It wasn't Jesus baptizing people. The Pharisees were coming for Jesus. But the disciples were baptizing people. We're talking about fishermen. We're talking about someone who all the Jews hated and a tax collector are baptizing people. And it made me realize, okay, maybe the disciples had three years of ministry with Jesus. So let's just say it happened to be at the end of his ministry. Three years. And I remember coming to church for a long time, my whole life, and not doing anything like that. I would always say, you know what, that's my dad's job. That's the pastor's job to do this. Oh, it's my older friend's job to reach out to people. And what I realized is the disciples were baptizing. 
It wasn't about, oh, no, we, we came because we want Jesus to baptize us. No, we just want to be baptized. Who's able to do that? Who's equipped to do that? And the truth is we all, all are. The second thing I want to say is that Jesus didn't leave at this point because of the Pharisees. He left because he knew it was time to leave. A lot of times we'll look younger people, me, when I was a lot younger, might have looked at this and said, why was Jesus scared? Like he's dealt with these people before, he's going to deal with them more. Why is Jesus scared of these Pharisees? Why is he running away from them? And one thing I realized is Jesus wasn't running away, he knew it was time to leave. I think if we put that in our own lives, we would stay out of a lot of trouble. Now, if we say, you know, I'll post back on Facebook, I'm, I got you. I know where the caps lock button is. But sometimes decisions aren't about fear. It's about it being the right time. Let's continue in John 4, 4. Thank you, thank you. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan's village of Sakar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob was well, was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. Jesus was polite, by the way. He was alone at this time because his disciples had gone to a village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to. You would ask me and I would give you living water. You see, Jesus didn't waste an opportunity. I would like to replace that word and say Jesus doesn't and say Jesus doesn't waste an opportunity. You're talking about he's having to go away with their baptizing, doing all this ministry, baptizing people. He's got to walk. He's sitting down next to a well. The disciple, he's hungry. The disciples are going to get food. He wants some water. Lady, can you please get me some water? And this woman that he's supposed to hate, that he's grown up supposed to hate, everyone knows you're supposed to hate them. Don't talk to them. Don't speak to them. If you see them, close your eyes. But Jesus didn't say, no, this is an inconvenience. He said, this is an opportunity. Jesus doesn't waste an opportunity. Neither should we. Let's continue. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't, to, I won't have to come here to get water. I love how Jesus just switches subjects on us. He's awesome. Jesus is really cool. If you haven't read the Bible, you should. She says, go and get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. You're right, 
you don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. That seems kind of harsh, huh? Nope, you've had five husbands. You've done this. It would kind of think if you just read it, if you just didn't know Jesus, you would think he was being judgmental. Right? You would think that. But here's what you need to know. Jesus identifies your issues to help you be better, not to make you feel worse. Jesus wasn't saying, nope, you've had five husbands. You've done this, this, and this. I hope you feel bad about yourself. See you later. Give me some water, please. That wasn't Jesus' intention. And that's not what Jesus was doing right there. Jesus is saying, look, I know what you're going through. Don't lie to me. Don't hide this from me. You're going through this. You've had five husbands. You're living with a man who's not your husband. How are we going to be better? It wasn't about condemnation. It wasn't about you're worse than me. It wasn't about you're the Samaritan woman who I already don't like you and you've done all these things and you've had five husbands and all of this. It wasn't about that. Because sometimes we're living in sin and sometimes we need it to be called out in us. Jesus didn't say, okay, you have five, you've had five husbands. You've done these things wrong. I know what you've done, now leave. He continues the conversation after. Jesus identifies our issues to help us be better, not make us feel worse. Here's what I really want to focus on tonight. John 4, 19 through 24. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worship. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Do y'all want to skip this part? Because it might be a little fun. Look, if you're mad at me, talk to Jesus after this. I think a lot of times we say let's worship Jesus, spirit, and truth as a saying, as a catchphrase. Yeah, worship Jesus in spirit and in truth, but I don't think we know what it means a lot of times. It's just, oh, I heard a pastor say this. I know it says it in the Bible. So, yeah, let's worship God in spirit and in truth. And do we do that when we play songs? Yes. We sing songs that are truth. We worship to him, but there's so many ways to worship. I think we need to talk about this spirit and truth. Because I think a lot of times we say, let's worship in spirit our truth. It's how we look at it. Oh, I'm going to love, love, love people. I'm going to have a heart after people. I'm going to have a heart after God. But we forget the little truth part in it. Or we say, you know what? I know what's wrong. I know what's wrong. I know what the Bible says is wrong. Caleb's got tattoos up there. He's forbidden. He's done. Truth, truth, truth. And we forget the love part. 
we forget the spirit part, God's spirit of love. And I think there's three areas we should talk about tonight where we should worship God in spirit and in truth. The first area is we must worship God in spirit and in truth when speaking to him, when addressing God. Have you ever tried to fool God? Like, I do that all the time. Like, things aren't going well. And I'm like, Jesus, thank you so much. Everything's amazing. Everything's awesome. I love you so much, Jesus. I do that all I put a mask on for Jesus. Like, like he doesn't know things. Like, he's not all-knowing. I do that a lot in prayer when I'm talking to him. Where I'm not truthful with God, even though he knows what's going on. Let me, let me tell you something right now. In my life, can we be real in here? Is that cool? We're a family. I feel like we're a family. I've always thought that. So if not, you can leave. I guess. You can tell I'm a student pastor, I guess, or I was. That's family. Let's be real in here for a second. My son woke up this morning. With a bad cough, scary cough. I'm always scared when I hear coughs because I almost died of pneumonia. So I've had prayer time with Jesus. I haven't mentioned it once. For real. I put on a face for Jesus. I was upset this morning. But in my prayer time, everything was good. Jesus, you're holy. You're amazing. I love you. I'm good. I'm going to pray for everyone else. But when it comes to my relationship with him, I didn't address that. There was no truth. There was just spirit. That's true. And what I wish I would have done is I, I, I wish I would have given God the opportunity. Because if I would have worshipped in spirit and truth, maybe there is the opportunity. But if we're not truthful with God, then he's not going to honor those things. We have to worship in spirit and truth with God. Here's the second thing. We must worship God in spirit and truth when thinking and talking about ourselves. I'm naturally down on myself, like downplay. Not that you should be arrogant. But naturally, I'm just a guy, ah, that wasn't that good. That was horrible. Better next week. We'll do these things. We'll get there. But this needs to be better, this needs to be better, I need to improve in these areas. Or sometimes with God, with people, I'm a little too like, I'm awesome. Like I'm the coolest person ever. When talking about ourselves, we have to realize that we are the creation of God. That God created us specifically. We are here for a reason. And when we're downing ourselves, when we're saying, you know what, I'm not that valuable. I'm not this. I'm not that. We're saying something against God's creation. And that's not worship at all. That's a form of worship. We have to worship God in spirit and truth when we're talking about ourselves, when we're telling people. Hey, this is what I've gone through. My dad likes to say this thing. 
I know I, I shouldn't mention them. It might be too soon. My dad likes to say this thing where, you know, if uh, there's a story that someone tells, if he hears it three times, it automatically becomes his. Automatically. And I think sometimes when it comes to ourselves, we do that. We're either super negative and we're like, I'm not worth anything, I'm not valuable. Or we get envious of others. And we do that thing where it's like, well, once I've seen it three times, I'm going to claim that. And here's the deal. Spirit, you have to love God's creation. God didn't create yourself to hate yourself. But truth, don't start saying things about yourself that aren't true. Because that is not worship to God because he created you for a reason. He created me to be me. He created you to be you. And when you go against that, that's against God's will. Here's the last thing, and this is important, and this is where you might want to throw a chair at me. But I'm a good dodger, I promise. We must worship God in spirit and in truth when influencing others. I remember being in my freshman year of high school. It was one of the only years that I wasn't homeschooled. Um, and I was really good at Sundays and Wednesdays. My dad's the youth pastor at a church. Man, I was the first person in the front for worship. I was the person that responded to every altar call. I, I, I was that guy. Like, and if we were at camp, man, you're going to see me. I'm worshiping. I'm in love with Jesus. And I remember on Monday mornings, I would go to school. And I was like, man, I'd be like, man, I had a long ride to school. I went to a private school in New Iberia, lived in Franklin. So it was a little ride. I would pray to go when I was going to school. Lord, influence my friends. Do these things. I want them to know you. I want them to love you. I want, I want them to have a heart for you like I do. And I would get to school Mondays at 7, and I looked exactly like them. What does that mean? I was a great Sunday and Wednesday night guy. Man, I was the best. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, they didn't see that Sunday and Wednesday guy. They saw an image of themselves. You see, I was worshiping in spirit. I loved my friends. I wanted them to know Jesus. They had an idea of him. But they weren't seeing truth from me. Why? Why would they want Jesus if having Jesus looks exactly like their life now? Why would your children want Jesus if they see you on Sundays and Wednesdays worshiping him and then on Mondays not looking a lot like him? I had a friend growing up. He uh, was a self-proclaimed atheist. We were a little too young to really know what that meant. Um, 
But that's what he said he was. I'm an atheist. Don't believe in God. And so one time when we got older, he, he, he kept with it. He was like, I, God's not real. God's not real. And we were really good friends to this day. And one day I just decided to ask him, why do you say that? Your mom goes to church. I see you every Sunday and Wednesday. You're here. And he said this. If my mom does to me, does things to me on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesdays, and goes to church on Sundays, and you think she's in love with Jesus, then why would I even want that? Who's getting abused? Someone at church. Now look, it's not that extreme all the time. But why would your coworkers come to know Jesus, know the truth of Jesus, if you look exactly like them? And I'm not trying to hurt. I'm not trying to throw shade, as the young kids would say, or anything like that. But listen, if we're not worshiping God in spirit and in truth with the people we're around, with our friendships, they'll never know Jesus because nothing's different about us. They don't see anything. If they don't see joy in your life, if they don't see peace in your life, they will never desire that. Because if we worship God in spirit and in truth and have relationship with him, that's desirable. That makes people look at you and say, I want that. We have to worship God in spirit and truth with our relationships. And so if you look and you say, why isn't the youth pastor keeping my son straight? Or if you look and say, I've been working here for 20 years and no one has come to know Jesus. It might be time to look in the mirror and say, am I worshiping God in spirit? With my heart, I love them. But is there truthfulness in there? Do they see that you don't say crude jokes? Do they see that you don't talk like them? Do they see that you don't talk about your spouse like them? Do they see those things? And also with this, we talk about truth, but there's got to be that spirit. You have to have the heart of God in what you do. It's not just about you're wrong, you're wrong, you're horrible. I know what you did last week. You have to have Love in your heart for people. The love of Jesus who came down and died on a cross with no expectation. With no expectation. You know what that means? Loving them even if they don't come to know Jesus. Those have to be married together, spirit and truth. Because if not... They're never going to know Jesus. People are never going to know Jesus. And we're not going to know Jesus and what he has for us truly. Are we good? We're good? All right. Blame my dad. He, uh, he's 50% of the reason I'm here. Don't blame my mom. I got all the good stuff from her. Let's continue. John 4, 25. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Jesus shows himself to all of us. We have to choose to see him. 
He's there. In every situation, in the worst points of our life, in the best, he is there. Throughout, this woman is talking to him, and it'd be easy for us to say, I'd know that's Jesus by the way he's talking. How many times are we, look, I go, I, I struggle with anxiety a lot. We're real, right? We're good. Good. No one's judging me. If you are, we'll fight out back with the Bible. I struggle with anxiety a lot, and when I started struggling with anxiety, one of the things I kept saying when I would pray is, why aren't you here? Where are you? Where are you? You know what I wanted from Jesus? To just take it away. That's what I want. That's why I wanted him to be. You know what I learned? Jesus was walking me through something. I just had to see him in that situation. Jesus is always there. He's always waiting. We have to choose to see him. It might not look like what we want it to. It might not. But he is with us throughout everything. We have to choose to see him in it. John 4, 27, I told you we're reading this whole thing. We're going through it. Jesus has a lot to say through this. Just then his disciples came back. These guys that were baptizing people, by the way, that's like a little hint towards the beginning. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? The people that were baptizing people. This is what they're thinking. You know what I realized in that moment? Jesus doesn't care what other people think about you. He doesn't give a rip about what your neighbor thinks about you. He created you. And a lot of times we say, I can't go to church, I can't do this, I can't serve in this area because this person knows what I've done. I can't do this because of this. And what you need to know is Jesus doesn't care about what they think of you. Because you know what happens when you accept him to his heart? Accept him into your heart. That's wiped clean. That's gone. You're a new, you have a new beginning. And every single one of us in here are called to do something. Don't let someone else stop you from that because Jesus does not care what the other people are thinking. In the home stretch, hopefully you're not tired of hearing my voice. John 4, 28, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. You never hear that from people. By the way, like this dude just got all up in my grits. You need to go see him. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. 
Did someone bring him food while we, the disciples are so funny sometimes when you look at it. If you look later on in John, John makes a point to make sure to let you know that he beats Peter going back to the tomb of Jesus. Just letting you know it's in there. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvest, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. We are called by Jesus now. Stop wasting time. It's never going to be the right time. Life's never going to be perfect. Jesus didn't say, oh, well, when you're married and you pay off your house and you do these things, then you can go. Or he didn't say, wait till four months after college and then maybe go to grad school, but after that, go talk to people. We are called now. Not tomorrow. Now. The harvest is plentiful now. There are people out there who need to hear the love of Jesus, who need to experience the love of Jesus that we have experienced and hear. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to go to seminary. Disciples were baptizing people. All, all you need is the love of Jesus, that experience with Jesus Christ that you've had. There are people out there who are waiting. We are called now. Let's stop wasting time. Let's look at the end of this. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Hey, can everyone stand with me this evening? I know I threw you for a loop right there. We got to put our papers down. The last thing I kind of wrote down for this is something that just is through these three verses that you see. But throughout the whole story of this woman coming to a well, a woman that Jesus is supposed to hate, Jesus is tired, he's hungry, he's thirsty. And this woman, and what happened is Jesus changed her life and her life changing meant life change for others. Jesus can change your life. And through that, people's lives can be changed. 
And so I want everyone to close their eyes in here because I want to ask two questions. I'm a youth pastor, and we like to do that. If you're here today and you say, Caleb, I've never accepted Jesus into my heart. Or you might say, Caleb, I have before, but I haven't been living for him. I, I haven't talked to Jesus. If that's you and you say, Caleb, I want to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ right now. Just lift your hand for me all across this room. I, fi I figured that's how it would be. But I do want to ask another question. And it's more of a challenge than anything. But if you're here today and you say, Caleb, I'm tired of wasting time. Because you know what? I'm tired. I'm tired of wasting time. I'm tired of seeing souls lost in eternity. This is eternity we're talking about. I'm tired of wasting time. The harvest is plentiful. If you're here and you say, Caleb, you know what? I'm there. I take up this challenge. I'm done wasting time. Just lift your hand for me. I just want to pray. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. There's hands up everywhere. Lord, right now, we thank you. Lord, I pray this isn't just a message that moved people's hearts, that manipulated people's hearts or anything like that. Lord, I pray that there is a true calling on our hearts, God, to reach people for you. Because this is the difference in eternity, Lord. Lord, but not only that, this is the difference in lives changed, Lord. Enjoy being in lives, Lord. Peace, God. Lord, we love you so much. I pray that we accept this challenge, that we do what your word says, because the harvest is plentiful. Lord, I pray that we don't wait, that we don't make excuses, that we go right now, that that person that's tugging on our heart right now that we need to talk to, Lord, that right at this moment we reach out to them, Lord. Lord, and that your name becomes known. Jesus, we love you so much, and we praise your name, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise. We love you, Lord. Hey, thank you so much for allowing me this opportunity this evening. I was very nervous. I don't usually speak to adults. But listen, thank you. Thank you. Hey, I love you. I love our church. And I love our pastors. Let's give them a hand clap. We'll see you this Sunday for both services.